Welcome to this Innovation Forum podcast with me, Ian Welsh. I'm delighted that joining me today is Ben Ashanyaki, who is team leader for the Rebuild Facility at Regeneration and regional director based in Addis Ababa for Partnerships for Forests. Welcome to the podcast, Ben. Thank you, Ian. Why don't you start by giving us a couple of sentences of background to the work of Regeneration and Partnerships for Forests? Regeneration is a partnership between Systemic, a leading-edge climate advisory organization, and Palladium, a global implementer of uh, development programs. By working with uh, corporates, market access players, donors, and investors, Regeneration accelerates the restoration of nature and protection of our planet for future generations by creating a more inclusive and regenerative tropical commodity value chains at scale. Partnership for Forest, which is also implemented by both Systemic and Palladium, works around the tropical forest, incentivizing smallholder farmers, communities, and companies to work source uh, stopping deforestation by using innovative private sector-led methods. And we're going to talk a little bit today about the coffee sector and the role of agroforestry in long-term sector resilience. What are the challenges facing coffee supply chains? I'll put three main challenges in. The first is environmental challenges. Demand for coffee has been going up roughly by about 2% every year. And over the past decades, the supply is really struggling to keep up with the demand. And this is leading to more forested land being cut and converted into agriculture. In addition, due to climate change, coffee arabica, uh, which accounts for nearly about 70% of the coffee production, uh, the other 30% is a robusta coffee, is taking a hit due to its sensitivity to climate change. As the temperature goes up globally, farmers are forced to move higher up in the altitude to look for cooler weather. This leads to a decline in yield as the higher up you go, it's not as very conducive for production and the farmers are not able to produce the necessary type of coffee that they need. One of the negative impacts of this is this might actually lead into losing some specific type of coffees who will actually go instinct. And there's a few studies that have mapped out and showing this to be the fact. Coffee production in Africa accounts for approximately about 10% of the global coffee production, while this is produced by approximately 50% of the world's smallholder coffee farmers, highlighting a high dependency on coffee for the region rural dwellers. So there's quite a big impact from, from the livelihoods as well as the environment. The second problem is very much related is farmer income. Smallholder farmers receive the lowest share of the final price as most of the value is captured in other part of the value chain. This has led to less incentive for farmers to join the industry, leading to older farmers not being replaced by young folks joining and working on the coffee farms. The third is also access to finance. This is an endemic problem throughout the value chain, specifically again at the farmer level, leading to low production and less income for the farmers. You guys work in developing an agroforestry approach to help smallholder farmers, smallholder coffee farmers. How can taking an agroforestry approach then help to counter some of these challenges that you just mentioned? Absolutely. Basically, by building the capacity of smallholders on the ground, promoting regenerative practices eh, like agroforestry and landscape-based governance models, the coffee industry can boost product productivity while addressing deforestation and degradation as well. The benefits of agroforestry are threefold and uh, multifaceted. It boosts on farm productivity due to the practice of regenerative practice and planting other revenue generating tree, 
We see quite a bit, for example, in, in East Africa, around Uganda, intercropping coffee tree with a false banana or avocado. So this gives another revenue stream for the smallholder farmers. In addition, agroforestry helps to restore degraded land and basically around the forest transition areas. This incentivizes the farmers to not encroach into the forest, but rather to practice agroforestry, protecting the smallholder farmer, the, the forest, as well as restore the degraded land. Generally, coffee produced through sustainable and regenerative practices fetches a higher price. This is mainly due to current high demand for such product on the international markets, as it is able to get certification like Rainforest Alliance and Organic, which are almost approval of approval, eh? and for the consumer to actually see that the coffee that they're actually drinking is produced sustainably, uh, yeah, hopefully using one of the methods which is mostly in agroforestry. So it's excellent to see that there is an opportunity for farmers who are improving their techniques, who are thinking in terms of long-term sustainability, to see at the farm gate a better price. Absolutely, absolutely. If they are able to produce agroforestry or regeneratively grown coffee, the benefits are very quick. You know, usually the, the international market pays that extra incentive for it, especially have rainforest lands and the other certification. But at the same token, they are able to see more productivity out of the land as well as specific cash flow that they use by generating other commodities like, again, like avocado, false banana, plantain, and others. If this can be done at a landscape level, which I think both Partnership for Forest is working on, we are able to see a general increase in farmer prices, as well as a demand for it. There is a clear demand for a commodity, for a coffee that is produced sustainably, that is able to be traced to the farm gate, that is able to tell the specific story of how and by who it was produced. You mentioned just now forest coffee. What is that? Forest coffee is quite unique. Eh? It's mostly found in East Africa. A majority of it is in Ethiopia. Forest coffee grows wild in the forest. You know, for coffee is endemic to Ethiopia and it's found like literally wild in the specific forests. What we're defining is it's a coffee that has grown naturally in primary forest that has not been disturbed or damaged by human interference. Arabica coffee is a native to the forest of Ethiopia. And today, much of Ethiopia's coffee is found in the last remaining old growth forest in the country. These forests are particularly important as they sequester large amount of carbon and harbor rich biodiversity, including the world's greatest single repository of genetically diverse coffee varieties. The reason this is important, Ian, is as the temperature is rising, we're encountering new type of diseases that are attacking the industry and the farms. And if we are going to find a solution for it, you know, we have to go back to this forest where the genetic biodiversity is found. And the solution can also become out of this forest as well. If we are doing deforestation, if we are actually cutting this forest, we're not just losing the coffee. We're also losing a huge amount of biodiversity. In terms of how it's produced, yeah, absolutely. It can be harvested sustainably. And that is the big work that Partnership for Forests is doing in this area by supporting what we call the participatory forest management groups. The PFMs are community organizations that develop a legally binding forest management plans with local government to, to manage the forest and other landscapes. The government will give them the right to sustainably harvest the coffee. They've organized themselves into a legal body and they manage themselves. There are specific penalties for, let's say, cutting a tree or for overproduction and for other stuff. And there's also an incentive because these groups are able to aggregate the forest coffee 
and sell it to the international market and have a direct linkage and traceability to the forest. So it's uh, one of the main projects that we've been developing for the past eight years at uh, P4F and also rebuild regeneration also provides the financing to make sure that these groups are incentivized to continue to protect the forest. So the farmers can get a better price for sustainably harvesting forest coffee than they could do from, say, removing trees and planting other coffee plants, other coffee trees. Yeah, absolutely. Three types of production that you can do. The first is like the forest coffee, which is unique to Ethiopia and some part of uh, DRC and Uganda. This is like wild grown coffee, very distinct taste, very unique and can be really appreciated because of how coffee is supposed to be produced and drank. Just wild commodity. The second one is, is monoculture. So monoculture is having large amount of land and you just kind of planting coffee, no agroforestry. It's a very hard balls on the ground as well as on the climate. And the third is agroforestry. Here, the, you are actually taking a combination of both where you're planting the coffee, you're giving it a bit of a shed, you're giving farmers ability and training to use different type of regenerative agriculture methods. Again, you are also able to capture this in the taste of the coffee as well. Again. What are the specific drivers then that you use to persuade farmers to move from the monoculture approach you didn't mention just now towards agroforestry or indeed thinking in terms of sustainably harvesting forest coffee? When working with smallholders, it's important to design a structure with uh, strong incentives eh, for both the forest protection and agroforestry practices. The first and the main one is price. Eh? The price has to be enough to incentivize them to stop business as usual and move into regenerative agriculture. When a farmer is moving from business as usual to regenerative agriculture, there's a cost. And there's uh, the cost of time and labor and effort. But when you kind of translate that with a higher price, they're able to see the upside of it. The second is by ensuring there is the proper support to adapt the practices. This includes capacity building, training and access to finance. They have to be supported and this is what the project does. We provide them with specific trainings on how to pick the specific coffee tree. We provide them with African beds to process it correctly and as well as some financing to build some warehouses and so on. The third is link with international markets. At P4F, we've done quite a bit of work on linking the export market with specific farmer or importing companies that are very much interested and uh, incorporate this into to the value chain of their business. Underlying all of this is a strong community engagement to build trust between the smallholders as well as the international coffee companies and local governments as well. You must have some case studies you can share with us. In Uganda and in Kenya. So we're working with uh, two leading coffee companies who trade actually both Arabica and Robusto coffee and works mainly in uh, Western Uganda around the Rinzori Mountain. So Regenerating has provided uh, financing to two companies so they can accelerate the transition of the coffee value chain toward a more regenerative agriculture practices. This is done by supporting farmers through training, certification, and an incentive to produce this excellent quality coffee and receive the premium price. In addition to on the farm agroforestry practices, the companies have also set up a landscape governance community. By setting up the landscape governance community, it helps you engage with the community as well as create impact at, at a larger scale, not just at a small plot, but rather at a landscape level to ensure protection of the surrounding forest reserves. Both of these projects are expected to reduce deforestation pressure around Rubuzi and the Bushini districts by engaging coffee producers in the buffer zones eh, to incorporate regenerative practices within their farms. 
Based on the specific soil types, the farmers will also be mentored on organic fertilizer, for example, use that would enhance the productivity and as well as to maintain nutrition. And by incorporating regenerative agricultural practices, the intervention aims to restore about 2,500 hectares of degraded land. And this was the land that was completely out of the game previous to that and help protect about 40,000 hectares of natural forest. And that's across the project in Uganda and in Kenya. This one is specifically in Uganda, but also in Kenya, it's the same type of impact numbers as well. Long term then, to what extent do you think that agroforestry, is it the route to protecting coffee supply chains, do you think? The beauty is the industry has really understood this and I think they've accepted it. And we can actually see this by the work that the global coffee platform GCP is doing. They're also strong partners of P4F and we're working on this type of schemes in East Africa. So agroforestry has both the acceptance and the support of the industry, and it has a huge role to play in creating a resilient coffee supply chain. From the impacts of climate change, increasing weather, variability of prolonged period of no rain, and soil erosion. Though this is critical intervention that the coffee industry is now beginning to adapt, the intervention needs to go beyond this and incorporate the landscape governance model. It's critical that we move away from small lots type of approach or to a more landscape governance where we are working on large amount of land around the transition area to ensure the forest adjacent to the smallholder farmers are conserved. This is an approach that we work with in almost all of our interventions because sustainability practices need to go beyond the farm eh, to increase the holistic approach to forest protection and sustainable land use. The momentum is there. I think that the, the demand that is coming from the consumer, the industry is definitely both incentivized and in some cases, new regulations are coming in to ensure that the companies are adhering to deforestation-free coffee and cocoa as well as the support of institutions like GCP and P4F and Regeneration, working with the smallholders on the ground to achieve this critical success. Fundamentally, when you have the potential for supply security to be threatened through climate change and through other factors, that's when all the big coffee brands are going to be looking for solutions that will enable them to have supply security. And I guess agroforestry provides that potential for that. Absolutely. Demand is going up by 2% every year. And the demand is not really towards the commodity coffee, but it's a specialty coffee. It's a regenerative grown coffee. At the same token, we are seeing production going down. Global production is going to be a deficit, I think, like for the third time in a year. So for the large coffee companies, it's not a choice. It's not a choice that they engage in agroforestry types of production and forest production, incentivizing communities and supporting PFM groups and landscape type of approach. It's a necessity. They will need to do this if they want to ensure that their supply is ensured. Well, it's all fascinating stuff. Ben Ashinaki from Regeneration, thank you so much for taking us through it. Thank you, Ian.